time. Typically, we dismiss our children, uh, but today, uh, for good reason, uh, we're going to keep them here to participate and witness in this awesome thing that we know to be uh, baptism. So we're excited to have each and every one of you here. We know that some of you here are just visiting to see and experience and support uh, what is going on in the lives of people that you care about. And so we want to extend a, a special welcome to each and every one of you here that are doing that. We so appreciate uh, your support in the lives of these three individuals. So at the end of the book of Matthew, right after the resurrection of Jesus, the very center point of Easter, right? The Resurrection Sunday is indeed that, a celebration of the reality that Jesus Christ, though He was dead, is alive. And Jesus, after being raised from the dead, meets with His disciples, and He says something. He says something quite uh, profound, actually. He makes a claim about Himself. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Jesus, in His final words, right after His resurrection, tells the disciples to make more disciples. Make more disciples of all nations. In doing so, what? Baptize them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. This thing we call baptism is central to the mission of the church. In carrying out its mission, the church is to make disciples by baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Spirit. But if you begin to think about it, albeit commanded by Jesus, this whole experience seems a little odd, doesn't it? You thought about that? We have in the middle of a room... We've invited a group of people to come. We've filled up, we put a puzzle together basically and filled it with water, with a vinyl sheet over it so that none of the water leaks out. We've put a little heater in there. We've warmed it up so people don't get too cold. We put some steps on the side and we've said, hey everybody, come and celebrate baptism. Seems like an odd experience, doesn't it? What in the world is taking place today? And so it is our hope today to ask that simple question. If it's central to the church, and we've invited you all to be here to celebrate this event, really, what is it that it is all about? Well, one person said, his name is Jonathan Lehman, said this, that baptism is the church's act. Emphasize that. Baptism is the church's act of affirming or portray- and portraying a believer's union with Christ by immersing him or her in water and a believer's act of publicly committing him or herself to Christ and his people, thereby uniting a believer to the church 
and marking him or her off from the world. Everyone say this. There you go, kids. Good. So you know you get some involvement from the kids. Come on, parents. Let's try it together. Okay, there's a lot going on there. There's the Church's Act, right, of affirming something that is going on. Affirming faith in some individual. There is the Individual's Act, a Believer's Act. Based on my faith in Jesus Christ, I am stepping out in faith and obedience to be baptized, right? And there is, in that time, something else that he actually doesn't emphasize, at least overtly. There's an action of the church. We are doing it here. We're not doing it in the woods alone, in somebody's backyard, in somebody's pool, on the spot. We're doing it in the context of a worship service because this is something that the church does. We do it in the midst of corporate worship. We're doing it in the lives of three individuals because it's something that they do. But understand this. Baptism is so much more than that. Baptism is a sign. Okay? It is a sign that God is at work. That God is acting in the lives of men, women, and children in the world. Yes, it is an action of the church. Yes, it is an action of a believing individual. But what we want to emphasize today is that this act of the church and this act of the individual is really a sign. It's a visible sign of an inward work that God is doing. This is today about the work of God in your life, Donnie and Sam and Annika. That's what baptism is about. When you entered into the waters of baptism upon your profession of faith, guess what? You were doing it as a sign of something that God was doing in your heart. And so we believe with all of our heart and we confess unapologetically that our God is at work in the world transforming the hearts of men, women, and children all across the land. Can we get an amen to that this morning? That is a truth that we believe in. In the midst of a world that is falling apart at the seams, we know and trust that individuals like Annika, Donnie, and Sam, and like many of you, have been transformed by the powerful saving work of Christ through God. Isn't that amazing? That's what this is about. So it's a sign. Baptism is a sign that God is at work. And He's doing three things today that I simply want to emphasize for you as briefly as I can. Baptism is a sign that God is at work writing the story of grace on the hearts of men, women, and children. You see, this act right here has roots in an ancient uh, practice, an ancient uh, covenant, all the way back to Genesis chapter 17. So we're going all the way back to the first book of the Bible in its opening chapters, right? After creation, God establishes a relationship with Abraham. So what we're trying to say here in simple terms is that baptism is old school, okay? It goes way back, back in time. It's an ancient thing about the fact that God wants to establish a relationship with people. And he picks Abraham and he says, when Abraham was 99 years old, he says, to Abram, I am God Almighty. Walk before me, be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you, and you may multiply greatly. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you, 
throughout their generations. This is my covenant, he says, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You see, there was a sign, a marking in the Old Testament that said, these are my people. These are the very people in which I am choosing to write my story of grace upon their lives. And there was going to be a sign, a visible, physical reality that said, this is my people. I'm writing grace on their hearts. And that was circumcision. But what we see is over time, that in Deuteronomy, we see that this, this circumcision that marked the people off was not a sufficient thing to transform the human heart. Right? That, that God is speaking through His servants saying, circumcise your heart. Circumcise your heart. And in Jeremiah, the same thing. Later on in the prophets, listen, you who are rebellious and who have responded to my grace by continued sin, circumcise the foreskin of your heart. You see, that old covenant sign was insufficient. It did not do what was necessary to remove the, very, uh, uh, the, the nature of the problem of humankind. Sin within the human heart. And so in Jeremiah chapter 31, God makes a promise. He's like, listen, I always relate to people through covenant. I write the story of grace through covenant. I want to establish a relationship with people through covenant. But I plan to make and promise to make a new covenant. Right? He says that in Jeremiah 31. It, I want to make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their, fa- with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. No, he says this. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They shall be my people. No longer shall each teach his neighbor and his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. Today we see in baptism the new covenant sign where God is writing His grace on the hearts of men, women, and children. Right? And He's saying, I will put My law inside of you. I will write it on your hearts. I will not remember your sins or your iniquities. What an awesome thing that baptism is. A sign that God is working His grace into the hearts of men and women. This is old school. This is ancient. This is a significant event that points to the fact that God is at work in their hearts. He's establishing a covenant relationship with people. Isn't that an amazing truth? So often we think of God being far and absent and disconnected from the world, but what we see is the exact opposite, that He desires to relate to people by covenant on the basis of His grace. And that's what this baptism sign signifies. If we look forward to the ministry of Jesus, we see that John the Baptist was doing what? Calling people to repentance and faith. He was baptizing them in the Jordan River. Calling people to repent 
and to believe in the gospel. And Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan. And the voice came from heaven, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And then we see His life that was perfect and sinless. And then we see His death where He died on a cross in our place for our sins. And then on the third day He was raised again. And the promise is this, is that anyone who sees that event and recognizes that it is the only sufficient means by which we can be saved and enter into relationship with God, those people, guess what? Are united to Christ in His death and resurrection. That's what baptism is a sign of. Not just a sign that God is at work writing grace on the hearts of men and women, but a sign that God is at work uniting people to the death and resurrection of Jesus by faith. Right? If you look at Romans chapter 6, and I know I'm giving you so much, and I'm trying to be brief, but we cannot miss this. We cannot miss the significance and think that what is taking place is something else. It's a sign that points to the fact that God is uniting people who trust in Jesus to the death and resurrection of Jesus. He says this, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Listen to this. We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Listen to this. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we know and we believe that we will also live with Him. A lot in there. It's simple. In baptism, by faith, we are united to Christ in His death and His resurrection. That's what baptism is a sign of. If you even looked at the act of baptism, where the person being baptized is lowered down into the waters, it signifies a death that is taking place. So often, and rightly so, we think of the death of Jesus as something that is done for us. Right? It is our confession. How do we know that Jesus loves us? Because He died for us. Amen? It's central to the Gospel that Jesus died for us. He died so that we did not have to. And I want you to hear that. If you've never heard that before, Jesus died for you. He died so you would not have to. But understand this. His death was something that in order to be saved from our sin, we had to become one with Him in that death. That our sinful nature that has corrupted us from birth, our sinful nature requires that we die not to, He just died for us, but that we die with Him. So by faith, literally, this is a death that is taking place, and that is what baptism is signifying. But not just that. But baptism signifies a life, a raising of the individual by faith out of the waters 
to new life. We believe this, that if we've died with Jesus, we will also live with Jesus. So we see the gospel on display. Jesus died and was raised. And by faith, we die and are raised. Right? When we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God made us alive together with Jesus. That's what this baptism signifies. So for Donnie and Sam and for Annika, this is a sign that their faith has united their life and eternity to the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Can somebody get excited about that? These are no small realities. And lastly, baptism is a sign that God is at work saving out of the world a distinct body of people. Right? That's what circumcision was as well, right? The marking of a distinct people. It said those are Abraham's people. Those are the people of the Lord. Right? But we understand this, that in the New Covenant, the spiritual marking of the children of God is faith. It is reliance upon Jesus. And so we stand today affirming and professing that Donnie and Sam and Annika have a sincere and credible profession of faith in Jesus Christ. That is something to be celebrated. That is a miracle. That shows that the grace of God has truly been written upon their hearts. Amen? And so in faith and by faith, we can look at their lives and say, yes, they've heard the Gospel They've responded to the Gospel. And they have been marked off as the very people of God. Some would say that in baptism, the individual, the one, is united to the many. Right? This is truly a marking them off. They are a part of the people of God. And we can say that with confidence and assurance because we see that they've been marked by God in faith. And that physical sign that they are now doing is baptism. They're being baptized. We believe that only those who have a profession of faith in Jesus Christ should be baptized because they show the marking, the spiritual marking of being sons and daughters of the living God. Right after all, John chapter 1 says this, But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. What we see in their faith is a miraculous truth that Donnie and Samantha and Annika are born again as the children of God. And I want each and every one of you here today to hear that as well. This baptism is a proclamation of the good news about Jesus for all of us to hear. Yes, this is a unique moment, a special moment for Donnie and Sam and Annika 
where they're going to come in just a moment into the waters of baptism. And they're going to put on visible display their faith, God's action to write grace on their life, to uh, unite them to Christ in His death and resurrection, and to mark them off as His children, His very people, distinct from the world. Yes. But I think this is a revelation to all of us here. A reminder, at the very least, of what the Gospel is. It's about Jesus. It's about Christ. They are not doing something to be saved, people. Please hear that. They are not being saved in the act of baptism. The water and the pastor and the fifty shades of gray in this room in no way, shape, or form means that they're saved. We're just affirming what God has already done in their heart. So please understand this, that this offer, this promise, this proclamation is given to each and every one of you. That if you believe in your heart, that if you rely upon Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, if you renounce and turn away from sin, even though it is so difficult, you will find salvation in Jesus Christ. You will become a child of God. And I wonder today, Maybe God's at work in more than three of us. Maybe God's at work in many of our hearts today to run into the arms of Christ, to trust Him as Savior and Lord, to say, yes, I need to be united to Christ in His death and resurrection. Yes, I need to die. Yes, I need life. If that's you today, don't leave. Don't leave. Don't put this off another moment. Embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. So at this time, I think they're just about done with me, Ani. So why don't we uh, welcome these folks, maybe the three.